Father, we give you thanks. Thank you because you have heard our prayers. Lord, as we go into the ministry of your word, we receive from you insights. We receive from you revelation. We receive from you the knowledge of your will. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Now, let's declare the word of understanding as we begin to study. Now, I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding as a result of this. I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you are feeling blessed already, give me an amen. Amen. Shake somebody on your left and your right. Say, welcome. You're an anointing booster. Yes, tell somebody you're an anointing booster. Can you take a minute and tell the person who's an anointing killer? Uh, tell the person. Say, anointing killers, they sit as if they want to sleep. They do so while the preacher is preaching. Tell, tell somebody. No, yeah, look, tell the person. Make sure you're not an anointing killer. Open your Bible when they say, open your Bible. Read with us when we are reading our Bibles. Yes. Tell the person you are wise. You are very wise. The Lord has given you wisdom. All right. In the name of Jesus. All right. Take your seats, please. Let's get into the teaching. All right. The culture of faith. That's what we are looking at. We are going to read from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8 today to start our discussion. I will also read from Isaiah chapter 2, which we read last time. Uh, What we are looking at is the culture of faith. Uh, What I mean by the culture of faith, we said this essence of culture is religion. That religion wears a cloak. The cloth religion wears is called culture. That is, you get to a place, the way people behave is based on what they believe. All right? It is what they believe. That is the foundation for their behavior. There is a reason why people do what they do. You get to Egypt of those days, the time they take out to preserve dead bodies is because they believe that the dead body is going to on a journey. You understand? They put supplies in there. In part of Nigeria, they had cultures in which when a king dies, they bury slaves with him. I heard that in some areas, they used to bury the slaves alive. You understand? Later, and for some people, places they bury, they, they kill, they, they sacrifice the slaves and bury. Why? They say in the afterlife, you understand, he will need servants, he will need people to serve him. But we in Christianity, we know, boy, once you cross this one, you are going for your own judgment. Nobody is serving you. Are you getting my point? I will know if we need people to serve you, angels will help you. Human beings will not follow you. You are not a king forever. You are a king temporarily. Once you're dead, <laughs> Ross, you will queue up according to Bovi. The day of judgment. Queen Elizabeth will be in front. In Gulunga said, Lizzie, how far are you there here? He no movie the comedian. <laughs> so we understand all of these things. Are you getting my point? For that reason, we ain't burying anybody with anybody. If you are a king, you die, we'll bury you alone. Do you follow my point? So you see what we believe is is reflected in our culture. And like we all know, if you look at modern names. In Nigeria of today, all right, you see names that did not exist, all right, because of my natural uh, upbringing in Western Nigeria. I know a lot about the culture there. The names, there are names you hear. You know these persons' parents 
are serious believers. Are you getting my point? We like Olayenka named named his son a name that did not exist before that boy was born. The name that is impossible to abbreviate. It's so difficult. If you abbreviate his son's name, you you will commit blasphemy. You will blaspheme because his name is Obabiolonrosi, which means there is no king like God. Trust me, it's Pentecostals that give names like that. So why is you abbreviating it? If you cut it into Obabi Olorun, you are calling the boy king like God. <laughs> if you cut into Olorun, so you say there is no God. <laughs> so the boy's name is hard to, to abbreviate. <laughs> what I'm trying to say. So you find out we have new cultures based on our faith, the kind of names we give our children. We don't use names that show that there is reincarnation anymore. Names that have to do with um, gods, we drop them. We drop them. Local gods. You know, you see my name is um, um, Olushino. That was, that's not my My mother doesn't bear that name till today. She doesn't. <laughs> my father didn't use that. It's with the children that threw away the original one and picked. Trust me, I was a champion. I began it. I woke up one day. You said that. <laughs> it's a gift to Caesar. What belongs to Caesar? Give to God what belongs to God. How do we know that which belongs to Caesar? They picked a coin. They said, whose likeness and whose inscription are these? And they say Caesar's. They say, in that case, give to Caesar. What I mean by that is that whose likeness, whose name do I carry? That shows the person I belong to. I cannot bear the name of a God I do not belong to. You understand? Even though that's my, he said, that's your family name. <laughs> he said, that, even though that, he said, that's your family name. It doesn't matter to me anymore. I am in Christ Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone is a new creature, you have to reflect in the things that you do. Do you understand my point? And that's what I've been trying to explain. Christianity creates a culture. And listen, the blessings of God are hindered from manifesting our lives if we try to take our, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, new wine and pour it into old wine skin. That is the problem we have. People want to see how they can adapt cultures that don't belong to Christ. They want to adapt it to Christianity. Sometimes there are things you can't just adapt. You just throw them away entirely. Do you follow my point? You take pride. It's not in where you come from naturally, but from where you come spiritually, where you come from spiritually. That is where you take pride. What you take pride in is not say, you know, and you are talking about your, remember we talked about it that time, your amorightness and your hittightness. You understand my point? You don't take pride in those things. It's if anyone is in Christ. So you create a culture based on what you believe. And we as a group, we, the church of God, we, the, you know, we are the pillar of truth, the foundation and the pillar of truth. We are the ones that are supposed to teach the world a new culture. And this is what he meant when he said that you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. What he means by that is that, listen, the world will be preserved because of your presence. All right, number one thing, because you are physically present. Then number two, listen to this, because your influence will be felt around. That's what I mean by being light. You start teaching people, you start pointing to them what they are supposed to know. You don't learn from them, they learn from you. You get the point. That's what we're talking about. So our Christianity will be saying, if it does not produce outward works, it's dead. The faith is dead. How do you know faith that is dead? There's nothing outwardly to show. You only know the fellow is a Christian. When he opens his mouth to tell you he's a Christian, that's not a true Christian. You should be suspecting that this fellow is a Christian. You should be suspecting I can tell the story once here. A lady, in fact, we worked together in the office. She called me one day. Dog, 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 where are you? I thought it was an emergency. I'm not in the office now. No, I need to see, I need to see. Okay, oh. Anyway, make long story short. We finally saw the next day. For 24 hours, she was just looking. She wanted to see me seriously. 
what was the issue? She said she went to Oka. She saw a, a book with her friend. Let me have the book. No, it's a special book to me. She turned the book and saw the picture of the author. And it was me. She said, ha, this man, we don't work in the same department, just that we were both in the same committee at the time. So it was like a, one of the major officers in that committee. So that's why he was looking for me. He now made a statement. That's why I'm talking about it. He said, ah, he said, you didn't tell us. Tell you what now? That I went to Oka, I saw a book, I saw this one, and you are the author. One of our books, something like um, By Faith, Acquire Life. He said, now he's now made a statement. He said, no wonder. What is the wonder about? He said, no wonder you are different. Now, we never, we did discuss, we didn't say, okay, every meeting in that place, they pray. Are you getting my point? It's nothing, that's not the issue. It's just the way we did things, you know? When you get quote for something, the way I criticize the quote, you know, the way we relate, the way we talk. When we were relating for at that time for maybe close to a year, you understand? And she just said, no wonder you are different. I didn't ask her what do you mean by you are different too, but I just started thinking, what could she mean? And I started thinking of what are the things that normal people do? We are handling money. Are you getting my point? Those are the things that, there are things that normal people do. She's a very pretty young woman, unmarried. There are things that normal men do. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Uh, I'm just thinking about it. Just put all things together and said, no wonder you are different. We did not discuss church anywhere along the line. We just come for meetings and we just, you know, we just have our official business. And that's what I'm trying to say about Christianity. Our faith must reflect. There's a story pastor what you told once about one fellow when they were in university. How did the guy give his life to Christ? They were all in class. He said one day, they were writing an exam. One of his friends, they were in class. People were cheating, passing pieces of paper up and down, whispering and talking to each other. You get my point? Trying to, you know, you know what I mean? They're cheating the exam hall. He said, but there was just this guy, he sat in front. He too was as confused as everybody else. But he refused to turn to the left or turn to the right. He was not interested in those who were, not, who were talking or passing information about. Now, the exam ended normally. Then, some of the classmates, one day they had the fellowship. One of the people in the class that day went to that fellowship. And when they called the preacher up to preach, it was that fellow, a fellow student in the same class, that he noticed that the sitting in front who refused to cheat. He was the one that they called up to preach. He said he didn't hear a word that the guy said. He was not interested in what he was preaching. As soon as the fellow made an altar call for those who wanted to give his life to Christ, this guy went forward. He, did, that he didn't persuade him with anything he said that day. He persuaded him with just one thing. The last time we were in class, people were cheating. You did not. That is, that is whatever you are preaching, you believe it. See, whatever it is you are preaching, you must believe it. And the young man became a vibrant Christian, I think even a preacher later. How did he give his life to Christ? Because he saw somebody, yes, live what he really believed. He saw a young man living what he really believed. I've said it to us here again and again. Boko Haram is not Nigerian's problem. APC is not Nigerian's problem. PDP was not our problem. The problem of Nigeria as a country to today, I say it boldly, and when I see things every day, I become more assured of it. And it's in scriptures. The problem is the church. We are the cause of corruption. We are the cause of armed robbery. We are the cause of kidnapping. We are the cause of uh, Islamic insurgency. We are the cause. Many people will be shocked the day they get to heaven. The day Jesus comes and starts judging. Let us assume that. It's not going to happen like this, but let us assume it happens like this. When they call, good luck, Jonathan. We say, good. All the time you're in office. Time for judgment. 
Mamadou Buhari, uh -huh, your time has come. You call your governor. You'll be amazed that the Bible says the one that does not know what to do and therefore does not do it will be given few stripes. That is, you'll be surprised that some of the people get very little judgment. Why? They did what they knew to do. What you think they should do, they don't know to do it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You're sitting down there, you're criticizing. Look, what they are doing is what they know to do. And that is what God is judging. But you, you as a Christian, I taught you to pray for them. Did you pray? No, you spent most of your time accusing them. He said, the servant that knows what to do and does not do it will get many stripes. They will flog that one extra. Give him over to the Romans. Use him to do flogging practice. Are you getting my point? <laughs> Why? Because to whom much is given, much is expected. That is, God punishes a Christian that steals much more than the unbeliever who enters political office and steals. God punishes a Christian because judgment must begin in the house of God. He punishes a Christian who says, okay, we'll see tomorrow, and he, does, he refuses to show up, even though he remembers. He will punish him more than a politician who campaigned and did not fulfill any of his campaign promises. Every day I see it, I'm more convinced than ever before. We are the problem. As a church, if we will live righteously, just in case some pastor will hear it, let me keep saying this. If we will come to church and say after offering on Sunday, Father, we thank you for this gift that your people have brought to church. Thank you. We know you did not receive any money here that is stolen. Anybody who gave money from stolen money today will not be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Just do that for one year. If all churches in Nigeria did that for one year, they would disband the FCC because there will be no job for them to do again. Just coming to church. You're not saying anything. Listen, there's no corruption in politics in Nigeria. There's no corruption. You know, we want to see corruption. Church. This is how they say it. Let me explain it to you. Let me explain it. How do I give an example now? Okay. Who, who, is, a, who, who is a more terrible thief? Assuming there's something like that. The man who came in here and steals my face towel. Or the one that comes and takes my wristwatch. Who do you consider a more terrible thief? No, simple. simple. There's, no, there's no trick to it. The one that steals my wristwatch, right? Okay, who is a more, I don't wear a Rolex, all right? So, who is a more terrible thief? The one that takes my wrist or the one that takes my laptop? I have a very beautiful, expensive laptop. Thank you. <laughs> my laptop is very, very fine. I'm proud of it. It's very lovely. You should come and look at it. I'll let you touch it. <laughs> now, I'm going to explain something here. What you have, from what you have said, if a man steals a weight of steel, and one steals the same thing in gold, the same weight in gold. You consider the man that stole the gold a worse thief, right? Good. Let's look at it. The man that goes into a political office and steals one billionaire. What has he stolen? Money. Which one is more valuable? Money or the word of God? The man who takes public accounts and twists his face to hide five billionaire from EFCC. And the one who takes the word of God and twists it. So as to collect one million naira from people. Who's the worst thief? The twister, thank you. The one that twists the word of God. That is a worst thief. But you know, we sound sanctimoniously, we preachers and be pointing fingers. That's a, of course, you don't hear me do those things. Because God has given me too much understanding, I cannot even try it. If we know the depth of corruption we are involved in, we'll be afraid. That is fear. When we want to go out, you look to the left and the right and ask God, are you killing me today? That is, 
that's a kind of fear. And that's why we like to believe stupid gospels that tell us that God doesn't punish people. Listen, that's why because we are, we are wicked. We are wicked. Our wickedness is too intense. I will say it. You're a preacher, you go to church, you check how much money do we need before you plot your message. You are a wicked soul. Look, what I'm telling you, having a major church, not, not, not Orthodox church, I'm not talking about Catholic, Methodist, Anglican, what we call Orthodox. No. Pentecostal, modern, holy, these are when they are worshipping. That's kind of worship. We will worship, you know, we will beg Nathaniel Abbas to come. That's the kind of church I'm talking about. Yet, they want to raise money. They tell the elders, when pastor calls for five million, you stand up. Oh. Ah, when it calls for two million, stand up. The elders say, but we don't have that kind of money. He say, it doesn't matter. You don't have to pay it. Just to give the church people the impression. You want to talk about corruption? You want to talk about corruption? When I heard that one, the person that told me, I told the person, I said, you are lucky today you are telling me. Otherwise, I would have made you pay that money. You're my friend, but I will harass your soul until you drop that two million. Whether you have it or not, I don't care. No, otherwise, your forgiveness will be in standing up in church and say, please, that money I stood up for that day. I, I had no intention of paying it. You're talking about corruption. I wish you would see from the eyes of God. You will now know that PDP and APC, they have more hope than many of us that call ourselves Christians. We'll not be hiding on the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what I'm preaching. Righteousness of God in Christ Jesus becomes righteousness in reality. It starts in Christ, but the salvation must work out. Hey, it must work out. If you are lying, you are a liar. You are not righteousness or anything. Don't look. Let me just, let me not state them. Because I, I, I won't begin provoking you. You know the point. I want to start getting angry. Don't let anybody preach a doctrine to you. They make you look like whatever you are doing, you are okay. You are not okay. Look, the reason why God has not dealt harshly with you is that he's very merciful, he's slow to anger. And the more he tells you the truth, the closer his slowness, you know, he's slow, but eventually, if I, look, you know, things are slow, some are fast. If I want to get to Lagos, it's from the time they hit, you know, they take off, they land in Lagos, it's 40, 45 minutes, right? If I go to the airport. If I go and take a good, nice Siena, well, all things being equal, in six and never hours we're in Lagos, Right? If I take a keke, you know keke is slow. But we will still get to Lagos. We will still get there. So it's when? So God is slow to anger. Doesn't mean he doesn't get there. And some of us who have wondered for a long time, why has God not punished all these politicians? And God is laughing. He said they don't steal. They are normal people. It's like me punishing the devil for lying. And what Jesus said, he was a liar from the beginning. When he lies, what is he doing? It's his nature. He just acted. God says, so what is the big deal? I'm used to it. That is why if I introduce somebody to me, say, this is my friend, Alaji Waziri Abdurrahman. And I say, those, those are his two wives. The other two are coming tomorrow. You won't think anything of it. But if I, have, I invite you, say, ah, we are traveling where? We are going to um, uh, uh, a boy state. We are going to pay bride price. Ah, first of all, getting married. Ah, it's my second wife we are taking. You see the way you can laugh there? <laughs> That's how you will laugh. You won't believe me. Even if we get to that house and you see me doing the Igbangu, you understand my point? You still will not believe. You will believe that I'm taking the wife and I'm going to give to Steve when I get to Enugu. <laughs> <laughs> I 
It will not cross your mind. That is no matter what, you won't agree. And let us assume you actually found it to be true. Next Saturday, I come here to preach. Even my first wife will not come. She does the person who used to be with me from the beginning. Why? It's not my character. The judgment starts quickly. So let's not, that's why, you know, the Bible says that judgment must begin where? In the house of God. So some of the judgment people are waiting for God. And when I start it, you'll be surprised with that. If the nation is going to change, if things are going to change, it's as we change our everyday culture. Deuteronomy chapter 8. So I've been looking at these things that Paul taught at two levels. He taught us the spiritual realities first in all his letters. Take it from Paul. Beautiful one to use there. He will tell us that we have been redeemed in Christ Jesus. He will tell us we have been forgiven. He will tell us that all things have passed away. He will tell us that our sins have been wiped away by the power of the blood of Jesus. That we have been redeemed not by our own effort, but by the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. He will explain all of these things to us. When we finish explaining all of those things, he will now add to it, of course, that we, are, we have spiritual blessings, but that they are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He will now say, therefore, since these things are like this, let us now do these other things. Best example there is the way he said it in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. He says, seeing that we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit. Are you getting my point? He said, perfecting holiness in the fear, the fear of God. Which means, therefore, if those promises are going to become real, we must perfect holiness. We must cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit. Otherwise, the promises will remain what? Promises. They will never become real. It's very important we get that point. They will never become real. So, we must do the outward things. I said something to us before. I just like to repeat it again and again. No matter... Yeah, let me see what... Okay, yes. I, I wrote it down. Then no matter the blessing you are believing God for, even if he had promised it, unless you get the right thoughts and the right ways... He can't manifest it in your life. Even if he were to give it to you, you will lose it rapidly. That is a matter of fact. The blessed man, the blessed woman is known by personal and moral change, not by physical blessings around. Physical blessings are not the signs that you are blessed. It is how you are being changed. It's as your viewpoint towards life is changing. As your thoughts are changing. And as your actions are therefore changing. That is a sign of blessing. It's not like I had, I mean, I remember one man who was talking about how he was blessed in the ministry. When I joined this ministry, I had only one suit. Now I have five suits. I was watching him on TV. In my mind, oh foolish Galicia, who has the, be, the, you know, bewitched you to let you believe that this means you are blessed? Which that means that this ministry is blessed. You know the interesting about that ministry? I won't tell you names. It's the name, I mean, he's Israel's friend that was running it. Okay, Mutis. <laughs> they, that's how they blows on, blows on. They were all over the place. The, a year or two after I watched this thing on TV, the whole thing collapsed. The ministry is not out there today that we're talking about. They are not out there. Incidentally, no, at, at that time, they were all... Listen, that was a ministry that, we, you know, parking National Stadium. If God... See, unless you dream dreams and visions... You don't go and hire National Stadium for an event. Or you are used to parking that place, eh? 
<laughs> no, when your church is small and you're not full, you have three services, you think you have plenty. <laughs> but this was a man who would pack National Stadium. Fill it up. Two, three years after the packing of National Stadium, about two years after I watched it on TV, the ministry folded up rapidly. Folded. They didn't just fold normally. Fold with bad stories. Folded with bad stories. With debts unpaid. Stuff like that. <laughs> the man that was counting his suits as a sign that he's being promoted. I wonder what he did to those suits. I hope he paid cash because it was credit, you know. <laughs> oh, you will come to church wearing suit, go back wearing ordinary shirts. People wonder, Pastor, where is your suit? I said, they won't know that, oh boy. The Buddha sold the suit, came to collect it. After steps, say, Pastor, just finished preaching, give us our suit. It's still, it's still worth something. Material things, no, that's not where God starts blessing people from. When he's blessing somebody, he's changing the person. When he's blessing somebody, he's correcting the person. When he's blessing somebody, he's changing the way you think and the way you behave. So you want to assess whether your Christianity is working? You want to assess whether things are moving for you? Please, don't check your money. Check your thought pattern. Check your, check your moral lifestyle. Peter was once speaking. Add to your faith moral excellence. Hmm. So I was talking about Paul. So Paul talked about those things spiritually. They are real. They are true. They are tangible. It's, at least spiritually speaking now. It's just that to bring them out into the physical, we must arrange things in order. They are called the precepts of God. Those precepts of God, we must obey, obey them. That is when the spiritual thing can become real. Are you getting my point here? If we, without understanding, look, that's when, when, when New Testament is talking, sometimes people want to talk about methods alone. As if well, these are the methods for prosperity, these are the methods for having a good family life, these are the methods for this. That's not Christianity. Christianity, first of all, is for, to have the spiritual, tangible substance in your heart. You must indeed be blessed. Listen, as a matter of fact, your sins must be forgiven. Look, a woman came to Jesus. Jesus went to the house of a Pharisee. And a woman went there. And she was wetting his feet with her tears. Wiping with her hair. And then you see, anointing him with perfume. You understand? And then this interesting part. The Pharisees and God looked and said, Ah, if this man was a real man of God, you know, he would know that this woman is a sinner. And Jesus asked the, the Pharisees in, who, in whose house he was. A man, two people were owing. One owing 10 naira. The same man, the other one owing 1 million. Both of them were forgiving their debts. Who we love more? So I suppose there's the one that's owing so much more money. He said, good. Are, he said, there's no, there's no trick to it. It's not a catch question. You know, it's not a trick question. You got it right. You're correct. He said, you? <laughs> I never forgive you anything. <laughs> you get my point. He said, I came to your house. You did not give me water for my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. Nothing. This woman, now, what struck me I was reading in that book of Luke was that Jesus now said, this woman loves much because she has been forgiven much. He now turned to her and said, your sins have been forgiven. I suspected it was not that day. I thought that it was when, uh, was when John baptized her. He now said, go, your faith has saved you. Now, this one I'm going to make. Salvation, you know, we look at salvation as if it's just a spiritual thing. No, salvation comes out physically. But for that woman to experience that salvation, her sins had to be forgiven first. What am I saying? 
Listen, God said to Israel at a point in time, he said, you will gather, I will scatter. There are many people, their sins are not forgiven. So they know how to gather, but they don't understand that spiritually, they are being scattered. God said that they may gather, but I will scatter. He said to them, it is possible to labor on the farms, bring stuff in, and put them in pockets with holes. You harvest, I blow on the harvest. Blow it away. What is the reason? Their sins were not forgiven. Many people are there learning the principles of business and all of that. See, it makes me laugh. You don't understand. Life, you can learn principles. You can learn how to toil. And the earth will refuse to yield its increase. You will learn how to talk. The earth will just say, no, I'm not yielding the increase. See, so it is, it is not that I know how to labor. You can labor. If God, that's, what, that's what is called forgiveness of sins. Please, I'm not talking about witches. Witches can't lock anybody. Because I'm talking to people say, hey, my family has been locked. Forget that nonsense. I'm not talking to you. Rubbish. Those who are lying to you, all of you are locked together. That pastor too is locked. You just don't know. I'm not talking about witches locking people. What do they know? The person that locks people is God as judge. And that is why you preach the forgiveness of sins. That's what, that is the forgiveness of sins I'm talking about. That is why you preach the forgiveness of sins. That's why Jesus said to that woman, your faith has saved you. Before that, he told them, he said, her sins have been forgiven. He said to the woman, your sins have been forgiven. I'm teaching the forgiveness of sins. Because sins, that's how, sin has power. Sin is not just somebody cuts me. God does not like it. No, it's a spiritually tangible you know, substance. It's, it, you know the way I describe it? It's radioactivity in the realm of the spirit. It's poison. That's what sin is. So when people are not forgiven, they have a problem. They can learn and learn and learn, learn the best things to do. They will just be unlucky. Everything will work out well. And, you know, that's why all these books of 10 ways to do business, you know, I don't have much respect for them unless you put them in the proper perspective. That's why if you read, listen, to, listen to my series, Foundations and Pillars of Financial Prosperity. I use the expression foundations and pillars to let people know that you must lay a correct foundation. Almost everything the world teaches, they are pillars. Some of them are not even pillars. Bishop, what's that one you put on top of pillars? On top, you know, beams. Some of them are not even beams. Self. They are roofing sheets. But the foundation, let me tell you about foundations, you don't see them. When foundation, listen, <laughs> when they are spending money on foundation, especially when you are doing the high-rise building, they'll keep digging and digging and digging and digging. By then they've gone through scores of millions. If you don't have knowledge, when you come there and they have now leveled the area, you say, where's our 50 million? They say, we use it to do foundation. Say, arrest them, thieves. <laughs> but they really did it. They had to dig. If you see the size of iron rods they put in there, the quality of cement, of a concrete they made, why? The building is going 15 floors. They've gone through maybe a hundred million naira. They have not yet left floor level. Then when you now cover everywhere, you just see some rods sticking out. And some, you know, just a concreted area. And you're wondering. So when they tell you to, and of course this is the truth about it, when you want to observe a man's life, you can't see the foundation. No, foundations are not seen. And the painful part is that some of those who lay those foundations, they don't even know how. The Bible says he himself does not know how. 
They now write a book for you on how to raise pillars, how to put beams, how to put thyroid, tie this, how to put roof. So people every day they are building their lives, no fun, no foundation. The only person, the only okay, let me use what the only people that can teach you the right foundations are those who teach the word of God. Any other person in the world, they don't understand anything. I'm talking about forgiveness of sins. So, like I've been saying, we are going on and on talking. I'm going to continue like this in a moment now, okay? This is what we're talking about. But don't ever think that that is where it starts from. We are saying those are the things that we do to let things that are present in the realm of the Spirit come down to the earth. If you are not blessed spiritually, if what I'm saying does not apply to you, that is if I say that this, these are the outward things Christians do to connect with blessings. I am not saying that these are the, they are not material, they are not mechanical things. They are channels built. No matter how much you know how to wire a house, if there is no generator or, you know, sending power from somewhere, wire the house with the best connections in the world. The house will be in darkness. What we are just saying is that when God has generated energy for us in the realm of the spirit, when we have taken hold of it by faith, God says, put your wires in order. Otherwise, their electricity will not flow into your life. So when I talk about forgiveness of sins as an example, the reason why people fail, the Lord wipes the way by the power of the blood of Jesus. That's the forgiveness of sins. I believe in curses, they are real. But what I keep on telling Christians is that in your life, unless you're not a true believer, if you're a believer, yours has been wiped away. Yeah. People now tell you that, eh, but what happened to my cousins happening in my life? What happened to my uh, father is happening in my life? What happened to my siblings is happening in my life? And what God is saying is that it is not because you are still cursed. If you go and check it, you are still behaving the way they behave. Even though amongst all of them, you have been forgiven. Even though amongst all of them, your own sins have been washed away. Listen, these are real things. These are not imaginary things. Curses exist, sins exist. The power of sin is real. But the blood of Jesus, please pardon my English, is realer. It's more, it forgives people. No matter how terrible the things they have done, God will forgive them. And it is so sad. When you don't know he has forgiven somebody, you are waiting for him to punish the person. <laughs> you know that's, that, that criminal, they, they nailed with Jesus. Just imagine this. When they were nailing him, some people were very happy. <laughs> All the evil he did against us. Dying. You know, he didn't come to church before the crucifixion. So they know, they are sure he's going to hellfire. They are very happy. Except that the guy was, can I use the word lucky? That they crucified him before beside Jesus. He said, this Jesus would not see all this while. We now finally are beside him. So they look Jesus all the while. They didn't know how to start the talk. He was feeling sorry for Jesus. Say me, whatever I'm suffering right now, at least I deserve it. This man, he didn't do anything. Then the other one, who was still in his sins, <laughs> opened his mouth and spoke. And he found a good opportunity to respond. Let me summarize it. Have mercy on me. And Jesus raised his head and looked at him. He said, listen, let me, I, want, I want to just use my own words now. I hereby forgive you of your sins. Now, do you know, he died that day. Imagine that the other people you offended, <laughs> they died later. Assuming God forgive all of them, they now get to heaven. They say, wait, 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 where are we? Where are we? Do you understand? Why are they asking? This man is here too. 
That's how when God forgives you for that. See, that's why don't put anything against people in your heart. For no matter what evil they have done against you, eh, forgive them. You know why? <laughs> so that in case God forgives them when you don't know about it, you will now not be fighting against God. Just forgive people. Just forgive them. Because God forgives people. He does. And let me tell you, you are here. God forgives you to if you are listening to me, you are hearing this. There is nothing that Jesus does not forgive you concerning. That woman didn't ask her, what did you do, what did you not do? She he just saw the intensity of her devotion and said, all her sins are gone. Thorough forgiveness, it exists. The blood of Jesus is not, not, is not like I said, it's not for tiring our roads. As we try to cover this road with the blood. Use quota for your road, forget this um, blood of Jesus thing. <laughs> cover the road. You know, if you want to use <laughs> concrete... It's good, you understand, but the blood of Jesus does not cover road, it covers people. You understand, it cleanses people. <laughs> Nigerian roads, eh? thank God. <laughs> the Lord is good. So I just wanted to emphasize that. So you see, what we are dealing with is that, so in that family, somebody's complaining that, look, uh, look how come everything is happening to me? Do it happen to everybody else? God says, listen, you need to now lift up the valleys. And bring down the mountains. And that's what we are teaching. Your faith must become physically real. It must change the way you think. It must change the way you behave. No matter how much I have forgiven you, if you don't do those two things, the blessings I have given you will not come out in reality. That's what he said. I said we should open somewhere. We haven't read it, right? Yes, sir. The chapter 8. Yeah, and why we are reading that is because last time... I now decided to pick that last time we began to look, or for some time now we started looking at um, the issue of um, material blessing, material prosperity, you know, as it, as it, how it manifests in the lives of Christians. That if somebody has faith for the material blessing that God has given him or her, there are physical things that you will see in the person's life that show that this fellow really have the faith. That it is faith that produces salvation, not works. Do you get my point? However, if the faith is real, if the faith is genuine, it will produce works. If it's not producing works, especially after it's been provoked by teaching, then it's not genuine. Then it is not genuine. So last time we looked at the fact that generosity, being always ready to share, is a sign that somebody really has faith in God concerning his or her future, concerning his or her finances. Now let's do that Deuteronomy chapter 8. I want to just point out something from there. Now, I'm going down to verse 18, but let me start. Um, I'll just look, just look for a place to begin the reading. Let's just start from verse 11. It said, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes which I'm commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold multiply, and all you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of, out of the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fairy serpents, and scorpions and thirsty ground where there is no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of flint. In the wilderness he fed you manna which your fathers did not know. That they might humble you and that they might test you to do you good in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, that is when you have forgotten. You will say in your heart, 
my power, now this is where I'm going, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you the power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Uh, okay, let me just, okay, let me just read the rest of it, verse 19. It shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you today that you will surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so you shall perish because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Now, I had love this to bring out the issue. Like I said, I just like to read in context. In verse 18, he explained to them that it's the Lord their God that has given them the power the, the ability to make wealth. Now, I want you to notice something here. That he explained to them that your heads and your flocks will multiply. That's verse 13. No, let me go down. Let me go back again. That what will happen is that you will become full, you will be satisfied. You will have built good houses and you will be living in them. Your heads and your flocks will multiply. Your silver and your gold will multiply. And everything that you have will multiply. Now, he was saying that the problem with that is that people may start thinking that they are the ones that did that thing. But that it is God that has given them the power to create wealth. The power to get wealth, to make wealth. I like the way my Bible uses the expression, to make wealth. That it is God that is giving it. And I want, to, I want you to understand that what God gives is a power to make wealth. Are you getting my point? Now, sometimes we Christians, now listen to this. I'm talking about spiritual blessings and all of that. Um... I said something earlier. Sometimes I try not to be, not to sound negative and critical, but again, I still have to save those who listen to me. Are you getting my point? That's why I say some of the things that you hear me say. Now, sometimes we preachers, we lay too much emphasis on some truths. The problem with truth is this, that if you amplify a truth too much, it becomes error. Do you get my point? If you don't balance, every time you amplify truth, you will balance it. If you don't, it becomes error. Sometimes the body of Christ, one person preaching the truth, cannot be the one to balance it. Like you see, Paul preached as much as he could. He even tried to balance, but people still still did not get his balance enough. So James had to come and write his letter. And so I wrote an article that time, which I called Salvation by Faith, Why James Had to Write. Because James had to come up to balance things. Now, Christians, a lot of times we get into, people start insulting us and of course, if you are not a believer, no matter what you say about me, I really don't care. Are you getting my point? Because you, you don't understand what is going on. You cannot understand the things of the Spirit. You understand what I'm, what I'm trying to say there? You're a natural man, okay? Now, but sometimes we actually give cause for people to insult us. We preach literally as if what God does is to reign, is to reign prosperity from heaven. That whether you walk or you don't walk, you sit down one day and money will fall from heaven. And you will not be able to explain it, except that it doesn't work like that. First, it is true what we preach, that our blessings are spiritual. It is not true what we say, that we give money so that we can get more money. That one is not true. Please, I hope you understand it. It's not true. I preached it long enough for you to know that it is not true. What we try to practice once in a while, that if I want more money, I go and give out money, is not the way God said it should be. Like I said last time, why do we give money is a sign of faith. It is a sign of faith. When Abraham refused to take the goods that used to belong to the king of Sodom, after he had conquered them in battle, 
Why did he refuse to say, take them? It was because he was sure that God was going to manifest something in his life and he did not want the glory of God to be polluted. So he said, I won't take it lest you say I made Abraham rich. The blessing of God is working in my life. You understand? So you see, when he released that, it technically was a giving. That is what I mean. He was giving something. He was giving away something. When he looked at Lot and he told Lot, you choose. If you go to the, to the east, I will go to the west. If you go to the west, I will go to the east. And then Lot lifted up his eyes and looked around. And he saw the area where the land was well watered. Like the Bible says, like the garden of the Lord. He moved towards the plains of Sodom. Why did Abraham wait patiently and allow his younger one to choose before him? Because he was moving according to the promise of God. He was looking forward to the blessing that God would manifest in his life. So it wasn't grabby. So if you look at it, technically, he gave. He gave away something. But he wasn't trying to sow a seed that God might multiply. He was doing what he did because he was certain that God was going to move in his life. Are you getting my point? That is the difference. That's the mistake we make a lot of times as Christians. When we deliberately, when we deliberately get up, say, okay, sow a seed that God might multiply it. I don't care how many people preach that. I don't believe it. Why? The Bible did not teach it like that. It did not. What happens is that we are, like I said earlier, we look at outward things. I want to build doctrines based on outward things. We don't look at why Abraham left where he was living. It was because he had the relationship with God and God had given me a word. Abraham was walking by faith. It was not the works he was doing. Are you getting my point here? It's just that those works were the manifestation of the fact that he believed. So when Christians get up, all right, and deliberately try to go and look for a blessing with their offerings. They are making a terrible mistake. They don't realize that the spiritual blessings we have were paid for by Christ Jesus, not by your tithes, not by your offerings. They were paid for by Christ, by Christ Jesus. He said, what about my giving life? Like you talked about last time. Yes, I talked about it. I said, it's a sign of your faith. It's a sign. So if it is not your faith, you are operating, you are wasting time. If it's not your faith, you're operating, you're wasting time. I hear these testimonies all the time. People get frustrated. And this, this is the start. This part I said I didn't really like to do, but I like to do it. I need to do it once in a while, even though it's not something I really want to do. The fact is that many people that preach it don't preach those things because they believe they are true. They preach it because anytime you finish preaching it, look, look, just check, plot a graph in a church on how offerings come. Any day you preach such messages, the offering will spike. So after, look, we are human beings. After a while, you know, that's what we call putting the body under. It's not, not eating that's putting the body under. It's to just say, even though this money comes anytime I say this, I will not because of it start saying it. What happens a lot of times is that people start saying those things because of the results it produces. That is the truth. That's why Ken Hagen, very disciplined man in that area. He said anytime in church he wants to preach about money, he takes the offering for that day first. Assume normally in that church they receive offerings at the end. Of the service. Maybe, you know, before announcements, the way we do most of our churches. He said, once he wants to talk about financial blessings, how Christians should give and all of that, before the sermon, he said, today we are taking our offerings now. He will receive the offering. You know his reason? He said, anytime you preach about money, Christians are human beings. Let me not say Christians. Human beings are impulsive. They get up and they want to quickly go and respond to it. They, you know, there's no depth in them. So when they finish doing that, they start regretting after some time. So he doesn't want that. So when he finishes, you go home. Go and digest what he has said. Next time you have the opportunity, if the word has transformed you, 
then you can give according to the proportion of your faith. Many people give according to the proportion of their impulse. Did you hear what I said? Yes, yes. yes and this is the indiscipline we preachers have. We like it like that. We start saying, don't let the devil change your mind. It's not the devil, you know? <laughs> You've heard it. He said, as soon as you come, quickly, do it now. If you go home to think about it, the devil may change your mind. <laughs> it's not the devil. It is not the devil. Paul said, give as you have what? Proposed in your heart. The one that I put you under pressure to do now, nine times out of ten, you will regret it and you will not be blessed. Nine times out of ten, you will regret it. It's called lacking depth. If you go and read the parables of the, the, the parable of the sower, all right, you see something there. Those that responded quicker were the ones that were shallower. They had no depth. But we preachers unconsciously, we, you know, we, 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 we play on the emotions of, of, of Christians. So the blessing is about to pass now. It's hitting only the first 50 people to respond to it. Let me just advise you Christians, don't listen to those things. They're not true. It's my colleagues, my brothers. They, they're just trying to play on your emotions. I'm sorry to say it like that. I'm very sorry. I mean, no disrespect, really. It's just the way it is. We are playing on each other's emotions. My advice to Christians is relax. What did I say? Relax. Any money you have never given before, don't give it under impulse. I'm not saying you shouldn't be generous. You know, I'm, a, I'm an apostle of generosity. I am just saying that the best offering you have given your life before is 10,000 naira. You now bring a fire brigade preacher. He preaches a hot message. Say, right now you give half a million. Please, I'm begging you, don't give half a million. If you give it, you will die. Do you get my point? <laughs> You don't have it. Spiritually, you will have issues. So shouldn't you give half a million? You should, but not that day. This is personal advice. I'm not saying the Bible says, I'm giving you my own personal counsel. This is what you will do. Let the man provoke you that your 10,000 naira level, you should go beyond it. But there on the spot, give that 10,000. Then go home and go and repent of being stingy. Go home. I'm serious. Go home, go and pray that God will give you the ability to do more than before. Sleep over it for a day or two. If you find half a million still inside your heart, you know what I say? Go and give it. Don't let anybody tell you, may give you the impression that the widow of Zarephath saw Elijah and she did not waste time. Her last meal? <laughs> See, I always say to you, why don't you ask yourself how Elijah got there? Elijah was coming from far away. It is not the first widow I see that I will bless. No, God said, I have commanded a particular widow there to take care of you. What does that tell you? She was a person who took care of people normally. Elijah is not the first to collect her last meal. It was just Elijah's turn. Those are the things the people don't check. You ask yourself the simple question, how did Elijah get there? Jesus said it clearly, to none of the widows in Israel was he sent. Elijah was sent. He traveled a great distance to get to Zarephat. Get it into your mind. So don't think that that woman was given her first offering. 
Don't even think like that at all. The woman already had the habit. Please read my book. I can't teach it now. So, uh, what do you call Great faith can be yours. You can download it from our website. It is there. I explain it in details. So please, Christians will often do that. I just want to drop that by the way. So what should you do? You should improve your ability to give. Challenge yourself periodically. Make up your mind to increase in what you can give. But please, don't let anybody put you under pressure. And it must not be under compulsion. Because God would not say because it was under pressure, I will now accept the offering and bless you. Now lie. Your money is gone. What I've told you is a matter of fact. When you want to give, make up your mind. And you build the word of God into your heart. You understand? Okay? Now, that's not the preaching. The preaching I'm getting somewhere. So we get impressed on that. Once you just give like that, then doors will open. Let me tell you another thing. 99 times out of 100, nothing happens to those who respond. Do you know why? Nothing was supposed to happen. The man saying it to them was not interested in them. He was interested in what they would give. That was why he showed up when your church needed money to build something. He did not show up when you needed money. He did not show up at the beginning of school fees season, saying our brethren need to pay school fees. You know it's school fees season now, right? Yes. yes. No, look, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Look, what, what do we do? We tell the truth. If he really said it's for your good, he should have come at the beginning of semester of the session. The pastor will have risen and said, ah, schools are starting again in August. Then you bring that man in July to come and help the people to be blessed so they can pay school fees. But no, you bring him the week before foundation stone is laid for the new church building. That tells you it is not for the people's good. It's a lie. He said, yeah, it's for you to connect with the blessing is a lie. It's for you to connect with the foundation. Leave that thing like that. If it was for my blessing, show up when, I, when the whole... Ch- because that's one thing that everybody knows when everybody's going into. School, ah, school fees. <laughs> one day somebody sent, you know, was that greeting? Happy new month. Somebody said, happy school fees season. <laughs> I said, this is the word of God. <laughs> Just by the way, I said, make giving eh, a culture. Alright, make it a culture. Giving is a good, important culture. At such times, eh, just, just check. If God gives the ability to pay your own school fees easily, just look for something. If your own total is 100K, just look for 20. Add this, just keep it handy. Because some people, they are, once, you know, you, you won't know why they are afraid of second week of, of January. It's because it's school fees. When, is, when did they pay school fees? The beginning of the term, the session, September, right? You just see a man, anytime is, is August, he has a headache, he's always going to the clinic. The doctor's always measuring his blood pressure. You not tell you that uh, it's my water spirit, it comes around in that. It's not my water spirit, bros. If you are, <laughs> the guy doesn't know when he's thinking, your body don't calculate. You won't know, you start trembling. Say, what's this? I don't know, my hand is trembling. Not, you don't have Parkinson's disease. What after is a matter of fact? One of the things that God can help you with in life as a good culture, keep something aside and help somebody else, you know, reduce the tension. The Lord is good. I'm trying to get to the main thing I'm trying to say. So, this is how it is. Our spiritual blessings exist. Our blessings are the realm of the spirit. But what God gives is the power to get wealth. There's something you will notice, and I like that thing very much, because time's sake, we're not going to read it. When the, when the people will come to Jesus, 
Of course, when, when um, uh, what do you call him? John sent disciples to him in Luke chapter 7. And he said, are you the one to come or we should respect, expect another? He said, go and tell John what you both see and hear. He said, the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised. You understand? And, um, um, you know, he said a lot of things, okay? The lepers are cleansed. He now said, but the poor have the gospel preached to them. When I read that many years ago, it struck me that he cut that one aside. And he said to them in simple terms, that when you see poverty, you don't change it by a miracle. You change it by a retraining of the mind. Are you getting my point? And I want to tell Christians, no matter how much you have been blessed, that blessing must first retrain your mind. And that's what I began to talk about last time. It must retrain your mind. It must retrain your mind in the purpose for productivity. How should somebody be productive? It must retrain your mind in the matter of not trusting in material things. Many people are poor for one simple reason. Their trust is in money. And how do you know? They will change jobs. Any th- Look, is any five naira here? Give him 550, he has moved. Give him 550, he has moved. Every little thing, he will change. That any little increase, he will move. His trust is in material things. You know, those days when I was in Lagos, after you service, I, had, you know, I was a young man, a lot of young men were into banking and all of that. And one thing that was bankers were known for in those days, nobody tries that anymore now. They were known for, they can work in three banks in one year. Because there were many banks all over the place. Everybody had money, got, got the banking license. You see your friend today, he's a senior banking officer. Next day is another bank, is an assistant manager. Three months later, okay, six months later, is another bank, is a deputy manager. Give him one year in that bank, he's the third one. He's what? A manager. And I talked to them, I said, why do people live like this? They say it is the way to go forward. And I said, but this is what is called unfaithfulness. I said, this is crass unfaithfulness. Nobody gives, gives a damn. Nobody cares. But I gave my word and I stood by it. Nobody cares that, look, these people just finished training me. I've worked for them for a little and they said, no, you will pay them off. It's not about money. Banks are there making people sign bonds. And then, of course, it was easy to get loose from it. You pay. But people didn't get it. It's not about money. It's about you are creating a culture of unfaithfulness. So when God starts tra- retraining you, he starts telling you, he says, oh boy, that running up and down like Satan is not allowed. You must learn to rest in the Lord. You must learn the scripture that says in returning and in rest you will be saved. You must understand the principle. There are times you will suffer loss because you have a stronger spiritual principle you want to hold on to. People should know you are dependable. You should look out for a good name. 